1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm all by myself today. Uh, Jill is working from home, so you've just got me for the introduction. Uh, Little peek behind the curtain as usual, just to let you know how my life is going. Uh, It's about 7 a.m. on Friday, and I did not sleep last night, Uh, and the reason is twofold. Uh, One, when... I got home last night. My wife and I went to our local theater, uh, Playhouse Square in Cleveland, which we've talked about a lot of times. Playhouse Square is awesome. It's uh, one of the biggest theater districts in the country, actually, I think just behind New York City, Uh, and they have truly incredible shows that come in all the time, and what's currently showing in Cleveland is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime*, which is from the book of the same name. And I I couldn't... After I saw this production last night, I I just couldn't go to bed. I I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, For those who are unfamiliar, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime is a book told through our main character, Christopher's point of view. He's 15 years old. And it's never specifically said uh, what type of... um, you know what is going on with him, but it's pretty clear by the way that everything is designed and the way that the book is written that um, I, th- I think he's on the autism spectrum uh, or perhaps he has Asperger's, but uh, what they do for the production of, of the play is it's basically like you're inside his mind. So what the purpose of this play is is he's trying to discover um, in the opening scene he comes across a dog who has been murdered, and he wants to find out what happened. Um, So a few things about him. He very much dislikes the colors yellow and brown, and he doesn't like being touched. And so anytime any of those things are on stage, uh, the entire set design goes chaotic, and there's all these noises and bright lights, and it's designed to put you inside of his mind and it's unlike anything I've ever seen before um and I could justify talking about it on our podcast because it is based off of a book um I I can't stop thinking about it it's been a little over 11, 10 hours since we got home from this and I haven't stopped ta- thinking about it or, or talking about it with my wife ever since um so this is a, all of this is to say If you have a chance to see The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, I highly recommend you do. Uh, It's touring around the country right now. Um, But more importantly, just in general, if you have a local theater company, even if it's not something as expansive as uh, what we have here in Cleveland with Playhouse Square, go support your local arts. It's so important. Um, It's such a wonderful way to get a new perspective on things and um, just, you know, I can't stress this enough. If you have a chance, you know, go see a play, go see uh, a musical, go see a, a one-man or one-woman show. They're all just absolutely fantastic. So, And then when I got home, uh, my, the college that I went to grad school at, Xavier University, was playing in their Sweet 16 game, which they ended up winning. And that didn't start until, I think, <laughs> 1045. So all this to say, I'm very sleepy, haven't had coffee yet, and I'm by myself. So things are getting a little loopy in here. None of those things has anything to do with what our actual podcast is about today. Uh, Today's actual podcast, the meat of our episode, is an interview I did with Brad Rika, who's actually a a local author. He's uh, around Cleveland. He teaches at Case Western University, which is a uh, very, uh, very well, not established, uh, a a very impressive university here in Cleveland, Uh, and he has written a book called Mrs. Sherlock Holmes, the true story of New York city's greatest female detective and the 1917 missing girl case that captivated a nation. Uh, that is the whole subtitle. And in fact, he has a few jokes in our conversation about how long that subtitle is. Uh, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes is a, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, let's call it a narrative biography. Uh, it retells the incredible true-life story of Grace Humiston. She was a New York lawyer and detective who solved famous cold cases. Um, and the one that it focuses on is the dis- disappearance of Ruth Krueger. She was an 18-year-old girl, and this happened in 1917. Uh, a lot of life, <laughs> a lot of things happened in Grace's life that were uh, very unique and incredible. She became the first female U.S. District Attorney, And she made groundbreaking investigations into modern slavery. Uh, But her story is one that kind of got lost in time. Um, We talk about some of the different reasons why we think people don't know as much about her as you should. Um, And then we also have a lot of fun. Brad is a uh, big fan of comic books. So we talk Comic-Con and his favorite comic books. Uh, We talk a little bit about Cleveland and all sorts of really great stuff. So uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. Uh, Let us know what you think. You can always do that by sending us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, or you can shout out at us on Twitter at ProBookNerds on on the tweets. Uh, Also want to ask, we don't do this too often, so I I think I'm allowed to do it just once here. Um, If you have a few seconds and you haven't done this yet, if you could go into whatever app store it is that you use to listen to the professional book nerds, whether it's iTunes or you use Stitcher or iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to our podcast. If you're enjoying it, if you wouldn't mind going in and giving us a five-star rating and just a quick review, it helps other like-minded, wonderful book nerds find our podcast. So um, yeah, you know, just In exchange for all of the book recommendations and all that good stuff, if you wouldn't mind giving us those five stars, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Okay, I'm not going to sit here and chat by myself any longer. I'm gonna go get a cup of coffee and try to wake myself up. Uh, So, just to recap, make sure you support your local arts. Go see a play, go see a musical, go see uh, any version, go to a museum, anything. yeah, I, I imagine the types of people who are enjoying our podcast and getting book recommendations also probably enjoy those types of things as well. So um, that's very important. And then also very important, uh, take a listen to this interview with Brad Rika and then definitely check out Mrs. Sherlock Holmes. It's an incredible story that I think more people definitely need to be aware of. All right, that's all I've got. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> Hi everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Brett. Today I'm joined with Brad Rika, who teaches at Case Western Reserve University here in Cleveland, and is the writer of Superboys. He's spoken about comics in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Christian Science Monitor, and NPR's All Things Considered, amongst other places. His latest book, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes, tells a fascinating story of an important female historical figure whose story has kind of been lost in time, and we'll touch on that in just a little bit. So, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, can you maybe get started just by giving our listeners a little bit of an introduction to your book, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes? I think somebody's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's the nature of having a, a podcast at a... As long library. as it isn't
2: me. It's like the old... Uh, when I went to school, they had the speakers on the walls. Oh, yeah. And it would be like, you know, uh record, please
1: report to the yeah. principal's office. And then everyone's like, ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And it would, but, I, you know, it would be awesome if I was in trouble, but it was really... You know,
1: your mom is picking you up for your orthodontist <laughs> appointment. Um, oh man, that's really funny. Yeah, I, there's always those awkward times where you have to do that walk of shame. Like, that's like yeah, the yeah. first walk of shame anyone has to do is is when they hear their their parents are at the uh, the library, yeah, you know, the principal's office for them. So um, yeah, I mean, your parents are
2: trying to pick you up anywhere. But anyway, yeah. so Mister Sherlock Holmes, yes, um, just the the sort of thumbnail sketch is. This was a nickname given to a uh, a woman who was a lawyer and also a detective in uh, turn of the century uh, New York City, mm-hmm. which you know sounds very romantic and, and very um, dark, and it kind of it kind of was. Her name was uh, Mary Grace Humiston, and she was this lawyer who took on cases of the poor, of immigrants, and kind of all these lost cause cases right. and, and reverse death penalties and. And all this really cool uh, superhero stuff. And so, But she's been lost to history. So with, with this book, I try to kind of bring her back mm-hmm. and look at some of the cases she, she did and solved. In particular, this really important, uh, really sensational missing girl case mm-hmm. that happened in 1917 when uh, an 18-year-old girl named Ruth Kruger uh, disappeared. Mm-hmm. And she took the case.
1: And I have to say this is a person I was completely unaware of before I started looking through stuff to you know, before our chat here. So how did you come across her story and, and what made you kinda of wanna share it with the world?
2: Yeah, I, I got really lucky. I think I always say it's luck, but uh-huh. I don't I don't I think it it's maybe more than that or, sure. or something else. So I was researching I was trying to find a topic for my next book, and mm-hmm. I had all these great ideas, and they all got rejected, mm-hmm. uh, all of them, and I thought they were fantastic ideas, but, you know, what do I know? <laughs> um, and so I was I was looking at, you know, I wanted to, to write something maybe about crime and kidnapping and all, and, you know, where it started, um, you know, where we kind of started thinking of it in terms of mass media mm-hmm. in, in America. And I started researching this crime gang called the Black Hand, right. and they were really, uh, really horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, they operated around New York, but they were also kind of really cool in mm-hmm. like a crimey way. Right. Um, and I was looking at all these these old newspapers, and I, you know, was looking for articles on them. And I found one. It was okay. And I'm just like clicking through the pages because mm-hmm. you click through them now. Right. And then I saw this article. It says. With this illustration of this woman, like, you know, her head in her hand, like she was thinking really hard. Mm-hmm. And the headline was, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes solves crime again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know, who, and I love Sherlock Holmes. And right. I said, I don't know who Mrs. Sherlock Holmes is. Yeah. I don't know who she I want to know more. And I read this article and it was amazing mm-hmm. that she had done all these things. And, and there I, I knew that there had to be more. Mm-hmm. And I also wondered, you know, why has she disappear mm-hmm. someone so important. So that kind of got me going.
1: I love the idea that you did the equivalent of like what I would consider like a Wikipedia down the rabbit hole situation. Oh and, totally. Yeah. And you ended up getting a book out of it whereas like my Wikipedia rabbit holes I'll end up with at like 1970s wrestlers or like oh, yeah. or like old WWE like matches that I forgot about when I was like seven or eight years old. So nothing nothing has ever come out of my my rabbit hole so I'm very jealous about that
2: but no but it's for every rabbit hole that works yeah there's an infinite amount (laughs) that don't yeah I mean I'm I'm doing the I go down the wrestling rabbit holes Mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and you see what works and then there's always the next step you know you see there's always the the kind of icy hand clutching your heart yeah. step where you're like, well, somebody must have written a book about her. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and there were a few articles yeah. and, you know, a couple um, journal entries and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, but nobody had ever written a book. Yeah. So, like,
1: And what do you think to... it is about her story that, it? because it is so fantastic and amazing, what do you think it is about her story that, like, is it because she's a female during this time, you know, when was kind of frowned upon to be in this business. What do you think it is about her story that it wasn't well-known at all, or at least it isn't, you know, around our times?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's the distinction because she was, I think, um, you know, just based on the newspapers, Mm -hmm. when she was in her heyday, she was the most well-known female detective Mm -hmm. in America. Yeah. Uh, But the difference, like you said, is really striking is now we know nothing about her. Mm -hmm. Um, and not, you know, she was famous, too, but she was also the first uh, female U.S. district attorney, right. which is huge. Yeah. And nobody knows that. So I think it, it's a lot of factors. I think her being a woman is absolutely mm-hmm. A factor, but it's also, I think, that she was a successful woman. If she had been a woman detective and she didn't solve any crimes or she solved, like, 50%, -hmm. I don't think people would have cared. But she solved the big ones. Mm -hmm. And she made the men who didn't
1: solve them look like fools. So I think that's part of where it starts. And is that something that kind of you know, struck you as a reason to tell the story? Because actually, I've sat down with another author named Marie Benedict, and she kind of tells a similar story, yeah. but it's uh, about Einstein's husband, or Einstein's wife, and she actually calls it the right. other Einstein. Yeah. And it's the same thing she kind of said, like, look, I want to tell these stories of these women whose stories have never been told before. Was that kind of same thing you were thinking when you saw that there was no book? I mean, obviously you said you were looking for your next book idea, but was it like, this is a story that needs to be told?
2: Absolutely. Because you look at the stuff, you kind of get inspired... I kind of, I mean, you get inspired by the kind of things she did Mm -hmm. in real life, you know? And I think, I hear this a lot from writers, you know, writers kind of sit around and write stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't really do much, but (laughs) we wish we could. Right. So we, I think there's something to finding someone and telling their story and bringing it, you know, to a large amount of people, Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, they can see it and see the same thing you saw. Yeah. You know, that not only, oh, it's a, you know, it's a real Shame that she's she's been, you know, kind of lost to history, but
1: wow, look at the great things she did. Um and be inspired by it too. Yeah. And so finding those you know, all these great things that she did. It's a lazy interview question to ask you what no, your no, research process was like, but I'm gonna ask you anyway because I you know, I've seen these stories about a lot of the stuff that she did was either the news or like the files were you know, they disappeared whether by accident or on purpose. So what was that research process like for you? I imagine just lots of hours in libraries. Um, not really. Be- I mean, I wish it was, mm-hmm. because normally that's
2: my research process. You find out where the stuff is, mm-hmm. and you go to it, and you get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. You just read all this stuff, and it, it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's Indiana Jones
1: <laughs> for, for nerds. But... Um, I think Indiana Jones can just be Indiana Jones for nerds. I'm a nerd. Yeah, yeah. And I'm an Indiana Jones. That works. That's but true. then he goes out to like. <laughs> that, okay, that's the fair. Temple. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and he has
2: a bullwhip. But it's, that too. Um, I may have a bullwhip, but I shouldn't I, have said that on the air. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's. I have um, a hair like that. It's all right. Yeah, that's true. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with her, so they most projects, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But with her, once I figured out, well, this would be a great story to tell, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's enough for a book, I don't know if there is, maybe it's just an article, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I assumed, because she was so famous, because she was this big lawyer, that she had, like, her papers were somewhere, Mm -hmm. her letters, her correspondence, her her court cases. And they were nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I looked for a year, and they were gone. So all the normal things I would use to tell a story weren't there. Mm So at one point I said I can't tell the story. I, I don't know enough about it. Right. Um, but then I started to think you know I looked at the the main thing she focused on her kind of mission in life were these missing girl cases. Right. And I said, well, she's kind of like these girls she's trying to find. Mm-hmm. She's missing herself. Mm-hmm. And so I said, that's how I can tell the story, just tell it around her, talk about what's going on in the world, you know, talk about the cases Mm -hmm. and start from there and kind of let the reader find out who she is in the book itself. Some people are get kind of mad. They're like, "Well, I read this. I saw this on Goodreads the other day." Which, if you're an author, you should never read Goodreads. <laughs> I've been told because it is so mean. Right. This is the first time I've been on it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on it for the other book. Yeah. And it's it's meaner than Twitter. But some someone wrote, "Well, I was very disappointed because I wanted a biography, and mm-hmm. this, you know, this talks about all our cases. Right. And if you look at the book, it's not, it doesn't say a biography on yeah. it. It's, it's I think of it as a mystery. Right." Um. But it's, you know, it was really different for me, but it was really fun because it, for, back to your question, because it forced me to go and look at all this this really interesting stuff to get a picture of her mm-hmm. that I may not have initially, and it turned out way better, I mm-hmm. think. I really love how it turned out. It yeah. made me look at newspapers. I found all these weird court cases. um, where it's kind of easy to go to the library and just use that, mm-hmm. you know, but this really opened things up.
1: Yeah, um, You mentioned that you don't really consider it a biography, and I've, I've seen on you know the publisher's website for it, they kind of call it a narrative biography, which I think is a nice way to kind of oh, okay. yeah, put it. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, no. Yeah, that's something that I, I think it's a, an interesting topic to kind of discuss, and something else that I think is really an interesting topic is something that I know you lecture on a little bit, which is, you know, comics and pop culture and things like that, and... Um, you know, so much so that, like I said, the first book that you wrote was kind of a biography of the creators of Superman. So uh, I kind of want to talk about that for a few minutes. You know, maybe, you know, where did that story come from? Or I guess, you know, why Superman would be a, just kind of a good place to start. Um,
2: kind of like the same thing. I mean, you, just, you find a story that you you know hasn't been told to the best mm-hmm. of, you know, really thoroughly, yeah. and you want to read it. Mm-hmm. And you go to read it, and it's not there. So you think, well, maybe I should... Right. Well, that sounds really obnoxious. Like, (laughs) oh, I'll just write it. But for me, it was that that book was much more personal. Um, Mm I'm a lifetime Clevelander. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and my dad used to drive my brother and I around Cleveland and, you know, tell us, like, regale us with these tales of Cleveland. We were from the suburbs, and Cleveland looked like it just exploded, Mm -hmm. you know? Like it was half falling apart. It's like Krypton. Uh And he would tell us, well, you know, Superman was created in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing I just could not believe. Right. I said, no way. I'm like, no way, because mm-hmm. it's Cleveland. Right. So you, you know, and when you're from Cleveland, you can make fun of it. Yep. And But that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, once I realized it was true, and I loved, you know, comics my whole life, um, it just wouldn't go away because I wanted to know how they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really just want to tell the story of their lives. I think that's interesting. I wanted to know... You know, it's like this philosopher's stone of how do you create the first superhero? Because right. it's so crazy when you think about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just from all those things kind of coming together as one.
1: Yeah. And you, so you mentioned, you know, comics being something that's been a part of your life for like, you know, a really long time. And like you said, we're both from Cleveland. And so Superman is a, a point of pride with us here. You know, when you yeah. land in our airport, we have you know like yeah. giant Superman yeah. there. Um, what, what were some of the comics that you read when you were... Uh, When you were a kid
2: I didn't read Superman
1: Okay
2: I thought Superman Was really like Not cool Mm -hmm. Um, I mean That being said You have to love Superman Like every comics Person Even if you don't like Superman You love Superman Right You know Because he's the best He's the first But the comics Where I was growing up Were kind of Lame Mm -hmm. um, The Superman ones I read X-Men X-Men was my Mm -hmm. um, In the 80s It was You know It was Teenagers With powers I mean it was just that was it for me. But then you come around and you you start reading some of the old Superman stuff Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, that stuff's really awesome and some of the other stuff. So,
1: yeah. Um, And so something that I am kind of fascinated by is this, like, explosion of popularity with comics over the past, you know, whatever it's been, 10, 15 years or so. It hasn't always been that way. So what do you think it is with kind of society? Like, why do you think there's this, like... I and mean, not just the, you know, the people who have always read it. They've, comics have always been popular, but not, like, in the forefront. What do you think it is that had that, you know, what kind of made that finally happen?
2: That's a great question, because when I grew up, I had to keep, you know, comics... Had, and I had to keep it a secret, but mm-hmm. you didn't... You couldn't be seen with a comic. Right. It was so nerdy. Mm-hmm. It was so, like... Hands off! Yeah, that you had to like hide it mm-hmm. in you know in another book. Yeah, or it was it was just you know, but you were reading it and you just you it was so good mm-hmm. that you just wanted everybody to see how good it was. Yeah, and what I think happened this is totally just a theory. Yeah, what I think happened is all those nerds like me mm-hmm. who grew up in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, some of them. Took that love of these comics to Hollywood mm-hmm. to stories, and then you get people like Josh Whedon and, and all these others yeah. that say, you know, we need to make a, a movie about this or make a movie mm-hmm. like this, yeah. make a TV story like you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had all these these comics references yeah. in it, you know, and then he goes and makes a comic. Right. So I think that's part of it, uh-huh. um, but it's also you know, I think society was more. Um, you know ready for it mm-hmm. you know there's different parts when you look at the history of when comics are popular yeah you know if we go through you know something like a war or something like 9 eleven you know then it kind of spikes afterwards mm-hmm. so we like want this
1: fantasy and yeah stuff. I, I wonder if it has something to do too with like with the rise of technology and like mm. i I don't want to say that like you know smart you know obviously smart people have always you know done really well like businesses and things like that but with like you know, social media and, you know, people who have an ability to code, all of a sudden is such an important thing, and, you know, a lot of their, you know, interests do lie in the same uh, mm. the same realm as people who read comics, and so all of a sudden mm. you see these incredibly successful people who are in the spotlight now, and they are, you know, mm. they kind of have that quote-unquote, like, nerd culture in their background. And that, and like, when you mentioned the movies and, you know, like, Josh Whedon and things like that, I mean, there there are, there were terrible versions of comic book movies when we oh, were yeah. younger.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but now, I think a lot of you are putting money towards those movies. You know, like I remember when I was young and seeing like Masters of the Universe, not a good movie, not a <laughs> yeah, good movie, yeah, by no. it, but it existed. Wow, it just yeah, wasn't for like yeah. Flash Gordon and just like so oh, yeah, cheesy words. Yeah. Now, you know, they're putting a lot of money to it. Anyway, I I am a fellow nerd, so this is oh, kind of nice. something I can talk something I want to talk to you about. Um, so, my, uh, my father-in-law through complete Happenstance. I didn't know this, but I married his daughter. But he has gone to Comic Con for like thirty years. He buys and sells comic book art. That's what he does for a living. Um, really? Yeah. And I know that you've been to Comic Con. You've done you've done some talks there, right? Yeah. So what what were your what were your talks on while you were at Comic Con? I'm just this is mainly me just being a fellow nerd and wanting to pick um, yeah. I got
2: to find out who <laughs> your father was. Now, I will give
1: you that as soon as we're done. Um, yeah.
2: Um, yeah. No, going to Comic was like always. That's like the thing you, it's like the mecca of nerds. And then, you know, I got to talk there Mm -hmm. and it was like, I was super nervous. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was great. I mean, there's so, the people are so nice. Right. And there's so many smart people there. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, I think you really have some with the the technology. There's so many smart, creative, interesting people Mm -hmm. that I think in, in, decades past we've kind of just put off in a corner right and here now it's it's celebrated Mm -hmm. partly because you know they're they have the jobs you know they're making all the (laughs) money but comic-con's awesome but yeah i just talk about like i tend to talk about a lot of superman stuff Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of like comics history yeah stuff but it's it's awesome it's Mm -hmm. it's it's overwhelming um but it's it's crazy i'm just
1: i just think of how far like kind of like nerd culture stuff has come when you think about you know stranger things on netflix was one of the biggest biggest things uh, you know of the last year and the you know the main characters are these kids who they read comics they play dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. you know the beginning of the series and it just makes me so happy that you know those you know people you can kind of like whatever you like and it gets Um, you know, a lot of attention these days and, and things like that. So I have to ask if there was a comic that you could turn into a movie that you haven't yet seen because I know everything's getting getting a movie these days. So what would you pick?
2: My well, I don't know. Um, I think I uh, I don't know. My favorite comic of all time is um, an X Men graphic novel called called God Loves, Man Kills. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came out in the 80s, mm-hmm. and it Marvel kind of slipped it through. And everyone should go read it, because um, everyone says, oh, Watchmen, and, you know, the uh-huh. Dark Knight Returns. This is, I think it's better. Uh-huh. Um, and it's so, it was, kids read it, mm-hmm. but it was so not for kids. <laughs> and, and, and it was like the ultimate in subterfuge mm-hmm. that Marvel got this to all these kids who loved X-Men. Yeah. And they read this, and it just like, you know... Um, stamped itself on their consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. I don't yeah. want to like give it away. Okay, but they kind of did part of it for the second X Men yeah. movie, except they took all all of the religion out of it. Okay. It's all about you know evangelicals and I don't know. Yeah, but that I think would be the one. But at the same time, it's like your favorite book. You know, yeah. there's no movie that can ever be good. That's true. So maybe no. Well,
1: and I will. But I will say with the what's X-Men, yours? Oh man, that's such that's such a good original. See. I am torn because I also... I want to see... They're working on, supposedly, a Gambit movie. Okay. And I would love yeah. to see a Gambit movie, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. A, there's so many X-Men movies. That's why I was laughing when you you know, you know picked an X-Men story, because it's like, well, the way that they have their timelines all scurrying in the oh, movies, they could, they, yeah. could well, they could probably do the movie anyway and just say, yeah. like, oh, it was a prequel to the last one, but yeah. I would like to see a good Gambit movie, I think, yeah. but I don't know if that'll ever happen. So I'm on the same...
2: Area I, I also think they're I don't know how they can screw up and not have a, a great fantastic form movie yeah
1: it's like they're going out of their way to, to make, make it bad and that's yeah. that's the
2: easiest one to do yeah.
1: every kid knows it yeah that would make a zillion dollars. Yeah. Well, and so another one of the things every time I'll watch a movie with my wife and me, which is basically every weekend, I will then go to like the IMDb and I'll do yeah. research on the movies just because yeah. huge nerd, other than all the backgrounds of it. And so the most recent Fantastic Four, I guess they actually had a a, a really good full plot, mm-hmm. and there was the the movie itself was going to end with this amazing fight scene, and there was going to be. It was going to be expensive. And yeah. they slash at the last minute, the studio slashed their budget by like $40 million. Wow. And so that's why the third act of that last one is oh, just it so disjointed. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's why. And I'm just sitting like, huh. how do they not know this is going to happen yeah. again? But yeah, I don't know. There's so much to work with at the for Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have, like, do you, A, do you kind of still collect comics or did you ever, and do you have kind of something in your own collection that you're most proud of?
2: that's a good question nobody's ever asked me that yeah no I totally still collect comics Uh even though I'm running out of room Um, I don't know what's I think the ones I mean I've started to get like you know older comics Mm -hmm. but in some that are worth something you know but the ones that are worth the most to me are ones that I had as a kid right you know and that like I'll have like the Wolverine Limited series and mm-hmm. it's not in perfect condition but it's the one that I like got off the racks mm-hmm. and it just like converted me yeah um, so that's the kind of stuff when I come across it you know I'll be like, wow, that's really cool that <laughs> I still have that yeah um, but there's a lot of I have a um, I don't know what would be I'd have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing like too crazy i don't have like action comics yeah. one or something like that i can't <laughs> yeah. afford that
1: that'd be nice yeah i but... was gonna say if you had that you'd probably be talking to someone way more important yeah, than me. yeah no. <laughs> i have like a
2: lot of 70s and, and 80s and some 60s like mm-hmm. kirby stuff that's yeah cool but yeah
1: have you ever thought about like trying to take a comic book story or anything and making it into a novel or a graphic novel or anything like that um like doing a comic story yeah or maybe just taking like an existing universe and kind of telling your own story in it something like that. Um, I'm starting to work a, a, I have a project
2: a comics project mm-hmm. I'm sort of working on mm-hmm. yeah but yeah not with the with the other universes that's tough I don't know yeah I'd probably do it if they'd ask uh-huh. me, you know but I don't think they're gonna ask me. yeah um, <laughs> but I've heard that's really tough work yeah you know those 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 people i respect a lot they yeah. have to they are under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to do stuff quickly yeah. and that's what i love about comics it's it's right. art that that it's so american that it has to be cranked out uh-huh. but it still comes out on paper right and it's 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 visual mm-hmm. and it's has a story yeah and there's just nothing like it
1: yeah um and then kind of Awkward transitioning back to, you know, kind of Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Were there any other kind of, like, real-life stories that you've seen or you're thinking about writing about or any stories that you're kind of currently kicking around that you can talk about or those types of things you need to sort of wait on? Um, I'm, I'm looking,
2: I'm in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one again that I thought was really awesome, but it got shut down in 15 minutes Uh after I worked on it for about six months. Um, so this stuff happens a lot Mm -hmm. as as writers know and everybody knows. Um, so you just got to keep trying, but I I have about, um, yeah, I'm working on, um, I have a bunch of ideas Mm -hmm. at this point. I think it's just figuring out what one um, I want to do yeah because you got you spend a lot of time with these stories right. and these people I mean you have to find out if it's there's enough story there mm-hmm. if it's a good story yeah. um, and if you want to spend time to you know devote your life to it right. for a couple years or
1: yeah. whatever so I'm trying to you know no
2: pressure there yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but I have a couple good ones I think yeah. I don't know. And then, so you mentioned something about, you know, kind of telling the full story. Something that always blows my mind when I talk to authors is their ability to just take edits from their editor in stride. Like, I had an author tell me that that one of the editors cut, like, 100,000 words from one of their books. And she was just like, yeah, that's just the nature of the beast. Like, do you ever, when you're writing these stories, do you ever put things in there and then your editor tells you, like, all right, X, Y, and Z needs to get scratched. And it just kind of, like... Heartbreaking, Like, you... For me, I, I feel like I would see the amount of hours that took me to write those chapters yeah. as opposed to, like, the actual stories that were being pulled. So, just... Do you ever get used to that as a writer? Um, I think I, I have
2: to because
1: I'm a writing teacher. Yeah. And
2: I do it to my students. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, you have to accept it. Well, not like that. You must accept <laughs> it. But um, it's a necessary thing. And they do it... With themselves, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so they'll trade papers. I mean, that's a necessary part of of editing. Mm -hmm. And it's really valuable because someone can come along and just cut out your whole first paragraph. And then you say, oh, my gosh, it's so much better. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, nobody likes to see their stuff cut. Um, But I've I've been really... um, My editor, I edited another uh, D in there. It's really... um, (laughs) He's really... I mean, I kind of get... I don't know the word. I kind of get busted more on the copy editing Mm -hmm. side. Um, You know, why are you putting commas here? And they just, they get all over me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but with this book in particular, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes is a really strange book. Uh Really strange. And I really wanted to make it strange because I didn't, I had no interest in in doing a, just a, you know, she was born here and she died here. right? Um, Because this is a mystery. Mm -hmm. And mysteries work, you know, across time and back and forth and like the way a detective's mind does. They mm-hmm. think about, you know, cases from the past. Yeah. So I made, really made it weird. And I was sure he was gonna say, you know, you've gotta put this in order. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said it was it was great. And Something. the ending was is even weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm really happy that um, they didn't make me change it. Nice. Real I mean some people don't like it, but mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. So that's all. That, That's no. all that matters. Um, But on the <laughs> other side, like they, you know, they title the books. Um, I have this like fifty-word subtitle that I, you know, I didn't pick that. Right. I didn't want a subtitle. Yeah. Um, but they they write all that, you know. And uh-huh. I I know I, I can I say I hate this, right. but they say, well, you know, good luck hating it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you just have to, um, you know, you never get. Um, never lose sight of the point that you're in this really, really lucky position to Mm be writing and people are reading it and, you know, if somebody says, well, you know... Take out that sentence, it's gone. Yeah. You know? That's fair. Unless it's a really important sentence. Yeah, of
1: course. Um, so, towards the end of our podcast, we do what we call the Nerd Nine. There's nine rapid fire questions. All right. Also, because we love alliteration. I'm also going to preface we always say rapid fire, and then they never end up being that way. So, in theory, they're supposed <laughs> to be quick, and then they never are. Uh, so, the first one is what's the last book you finished?
2: Last book I finished was, um, it's still on my. Um, I'm blanking. So you were right. You I, me I'm telling the, you, I know. Happening. It's right on my, um, what is the, Warren Ellis
1: uh, Normal. What's your favorite place to read? Uh, bet. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Comics. That's fair. Uh, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Egypt. Do you have a favorite holiday? Halloween. Are you a coffee or tea person? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Lasagna. And then if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would you pick?
2: Mm. Oh, that's impossible, but that's like the one everyone has. See, I was good. I was wrapped
1: <laughs> That was real that was the was quickest I? that the other ones had I should have um, You did those so fast that I don't even mind that you're stalling right now for the last one. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I know. See, I always Um, tell people Dr. Seuss or Jim Henson. Those are my, those are the two, which is cheating because I get, I take two.
2: I would never pick those because I wanted to, I would totally pick those, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to write books on both of those guys. And the same guy picked those guys. Brian J. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a super nice guy. Yeah. (laughs) But he picked him like a month before. Mm -hmm. Same with George Lucas. Um, The dinner question, my dad. That's perfect.
1: Uh, So, last question for you What do you hope readers take away from reading Mrs. Sherlock Holmes? Um, that one
2: person, this is going to sound really cliche, but that one person can make a difference. Um, that what you meet with her is someone, um, who stops at nothing and there's walls put up against her from all sides, but she doesn't stop. And it's in that way, she's very similar to the Superman guys. Um, she doesn't give up, and she fights for what's right, and I think that's really important. It's perfect,
1: Brad. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.